I um, we are we are in that in that season uh, of Christmas, and, and you know, for for many this year, it's just a season. But for us as believers, this is this is a really big deal. I mean, God, in His perfect plan of redemption, sends His Son to come and live among us, God in flesh, the incarnation. And he sends his son among us to live, to teach us what it looks like to usher in the kingdom of heaven by teaching us these values that, that we live these kingdom lives. And that this, this baby was born to die. That in his short life, think about just 33 years, Jesus' life, all that he accomplished in 33 years. And at the end of his life, he, he sacrifices himself willingly so that you and I could have a relationship with the Father. And there were many in this Christmas story that they didn't exactly know what was happening. You know, it, it was, there's a baby born. He's proclaiming to, to be a king of the Jewish people. Made some people like Herod a little nervous. Some of the other people just joined in because it was the cool thing to do in the moment. But there were some that were there that witnessed these events that unfolded and took place. And we have different viewpoints of, of how they saw this promised Messiah. That he, that he has come and he has been born in this little sleepy town of Bethlehem, which means house of bread, by the way. Isn't it amazing that the bread of life was born in the house of bread? God just has his ways of, of working things out. And when we talk about perspective and seeing things differently, one of, one of the things I want us to look at this morning is in Luke chapter 1. Because nobody had a better seat to this event than that of Mary. Mary, Mary is right front, but I think a lot of times we, we let things like tradition and uh, Hallmark movies kind of skew our vision of how Christmas really was when Jesus was born. It was a lot more scandalous, scandalous than what we see. And, and I, I want to take a different approach this morning. I want us to look at this event as it unfolded through the eyes of Mary, Jesus' mom. And I also want us to, to focus on these two words, blessed and favored. Blessed and favored. Now, what does it mean? Because you, you'll hear this phrase of people saying, I walk in the blessing and the favor of God. Y'all have heard those statements before. I mean, I think the word blessed gets thrown around a good bit. I've, I've seen people driving around town with license plates that say blessed. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, blessed, like you got a car. Okay, great. But there's a lot of times when we use this term blessed that it means that maybe you're, you're rich in something. And, and so you're so blessed because you've you got all these things. And, and you'll ask Christians how they're doing. And sometimes Christians will respond that I am blessed and highly favored, right? And sometimes it means that things are going, going really, really well, almost like you're lucky. This is, how, this is what people interpret blessed to mean. Or, or I've got the favor of God because I went, I went to Somerville the other day, and I got a front row parking spot on a Saturday. The favor of God is upon me. You know what I mean? And people use that, and they'll say, you know, God, God granted me this parking space, but, but everything's about to go your way when you're favored and, and you're blessed. And the Christian version of being blessed is may the odds forever be 
in your favor. And, and we, we kind of get that word all out of whack, don't we? That we will throw it and attach the word blessed and favored to everything and anything that goes good. We even have a saying that when somebody sneezes, we say, why? There have been many times in my life that I needed to be blessed, but not when I sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. You know, a lot of people say that the reason that is is because um, back in the, the, some people believe you say God bless you because they, they scientists or, or somebody, I don't think it's scientists, but somebody said that when you sneeze, your heart stops, and it's just hoping your heart stops, starts again. Maybe for some people it is that your heart stops and it doesn't come back. I don't know. Maybe you hang out with those people. Uh, some say tradition started because in the Middle Ages, people believed that sneezing was actually getting rid of a demon. Okay? So be careful if you sneeze in here. You may be judged. But some people believe that it was expelling a demon, and there'd be a God bless you, so the demon would not come back within you. I don't know. I don't know what, the, what that, why we, we say bless you, but you can take any of those stories that you want. But the question that we have this morning, what exactly does blessed or favored mean? And how do we know if we're walking in the blessing and the favor of God? And so we, we look at, we look at this phrase, and it comes from a statement that the angel Gabriel makes to Mary when he told her that she was going to be pregnant with Jesus. Okay, So she, she kind of gets this message from an angel. That, that, that's enough right there. We could pause the story and say, that's strange. right? I'm, I'm not going to speak for you, but I will say that I, I don't know that there are probably many opportunities in your life or, or things that have happened in your life where you've been minding your business and an angel physically appears before you. And by the way, do you guys know what angels look like? You should Google that later on, biblical, but Google it this way. Biblical description of an angel. Okay, it kind of looks like something from Stranger Things. It's a really, really strange-looking creature there. And, and so this, this Stranger Things character approaches her and tells her that you're, you're going to be pregnant with Jesus. And, and she's thinking, okay. And, and so Mary, he, he says this. You're going to be pregnant with Jesus and Mary. You're highly blessed and favored. Highly blessed and favored. When she sees Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, three times in conversation, Elizabeth tells Mary, you're blessed. You're blessed. Mary, Mary did have a blessing on her life. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 45. It says this. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed. Mary's composing a song here. So this, is, this is called Mary's song. You probably have that title in your Bible. And she's composing this song. And in it, what she's saying is she calls herself blessed. Okay? All right, I, want, I need you to, to, to lock that in here for a second. She calls herself blessed. And what happens is we often read this and we run past what happens next but she is making this declaration that she is blessed and boldly that's how the generations are going to remember her that that you and I would remember Mary as being blessed okay now follow with me she says in 48 we'll email the fire department later and ask them to please hold those sirens down during service but in verse 40, it says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. All generations. This is her proclamation on herself. This is the first Christmas carol that has ever been written. Mary writes it right here. 
But this is a revolutionary statement for her. And this is what I want you to see because she, she's going she's gonna to go through some things that's going to turn her whole life upside down. As if the angel approaching her and telling her that she's going to be pregnant wasn't enough, there's more that's going to be tagged on to this. So in verse 46, she says this. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on me. Say, looked on me. God sees you. He saw this, this young woman. He saw her. He looked on her on the humble estate of his servant. God watches. His eyes move to and fro all across the earth. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This is not a boastful statement that Mary is making. As, as we read this initially, you kind of be like, well, that's, that seems like Mary's a little full of herself. But, but hang tight. You're going to get the rest of it. He says, for, for he, is, he is who is mighty has done great things for me. Say, done great things. Okay, so I'm having you say these things because sometimes talking through them is going to help you in a minute to start locking some, some puzzle pieces together. And he says, so this, this, this mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. And he exalted those of humble estate. And he has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he has spoke to his fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This, this passage brings up four very good questions for us. And I'm going to give you four questions this morning. And then we're going to walk through some of these statements that Mary has made about herself. Here's the first question. Would you ever, would have ever thought of Mary as being blessed? Would you ever thought of her as being blessed? Of course. She's Jesus' mom. It's a big blessing. See, that's probably the easiest child that you would ever raise. Doesn't talk back. Perfect attendance. Straight A's. You know what I mean? Sometimes he left the door open to the house and Mary would yell, Are you born in a barn? And Jesus would say, yeah, I was. I was actually born in a barn. That joke works every Christmas. But who would have thought of Mary as blessed? Here's why we have to ask that question, because at this point there were statements that's being made that, that Mary's life has basically have been ruined. She, she's a, a young girl. She's a young girl. Her reputation has been ruined. She's a teenager, out of wedlock. Many, many people believe that Mary would not have been any older than 17 years old. She's, she's this girl that is out of wedlock, not married in a culture that was, that was a very serious scandal. It was a very serious penalty for doing such, especially in the Jewish culture. And you add to that fact that she's engaged to another guy that they live apart from each other. Okay, They live apart from each other. And so there's no way that that happened. Um, and then the reputation is that because they lived apart, that Mary must be this loose girl kind of like hanging out in places that she shouldn't be in the community. And, and and, and somebody, now she has betrayed her fiancé because she's pregnant and he's nowhere to be found. So she's been cheating on him. And by the way, Joseph didn't know until months later. Because all he gets is this message from Mary going, hey, I'm pregnant and it's God's. And he's like, what? <laughs> so... The angel would not come and confirm to him much later that what she said is indeed true. 
So think about the tension now in this relationship. Because Mary knows, I, I know what I saw. This is why I think the Bible talks about it. It says that Mary had always pondered these things in her heart. She knew. She knew that this baby boy that she held in her arms was the Son of God. And she knew that the encounter that she had had, that was her story. She couldn't change that. But getting her fiancé to believe that this baby belongs to God? Remember, this has never happened in all of the world. That somebody has magically become pregnant and it was God's son. Maybe people still use that excuse, but that's not the way that that works. And so her reputation right now has been stained. It's, it's not a very good one. And she is stuck with this for the rest of her life. Even in Jesus' later ages in his 30s. Late 20s to early 30s. That the rumor is still going around that Mary got pregnant and this was the offspring of the Roman soldier that she cheated with. So for, for years of her life, she, she's facing this rumor. Constantly hearing this rumor. So here's what I want you to think about. God allowed that to happen to her. Matter of fact, God did that. That was his way of getting Jesus here. He could have done it another way, but he chose that way. So let's go back to the question. Would you consider Mary blessed and highly favored? Because now she's in the middle of a society, of a culture that's not believing. Thank God for Elizabeth. Who, who tells her that you're blessed, and I know. I know that this is, this is the, the Messiah. This is God's son. Mary, Mary's very poor at this point. Here's how we know that. There are indications that Scripture shows that when you, you would offer these sacrifices, you'd offer sacrifices. When they would go to the temple and offer sacrifice, if you couldn't afford the lamb to sacrifice, then what you would do is sacrifice doves, turtle doves, two turtle doves. No partridge in a pear tree, just two turtle doves. You would offer those, and this was an exception that was made for people that were poor under the law. Because she's just a young female all by herself. Joseph's got a business going. He's got some money. But he hadn't released that to his soon-to-be wife yet. And so she's, she's struggling and having difficulties, trying to maneuver through. She knows God has done this and God has has called her to this but there's the struggle on the other side y'all y'all been there like you know God's called you to it but there's some struggle there's some heartache there's some pain so you got this girl who's no older than 17 let's just call it 15 years old angel shows up tells her you're gonna have a kid by the way it's God's kid you figure out the rest of it good luck Mary we'll see you in a couple of months and when the angel tells him that he's he's not gonna tell anybody else and, and Joseph is going to have to figure this out later on when I'll, when I'll give him this thing. Can you imagine being 17 and having that weight dropped on you? I mean, processing that, that an angel comes to you and says, you're going to have a son, it's going to be God's son. Because I'm thinking, if I'm married, I'm like, can, can we just do the Abraham and Sarah thing? That was much better because then everybody knows that that kid was Abraham's. But now, God, you're asking me to kind of put my reputation out on the line. Can I just tell you, it wasn't Mary's reputation that was out on the line. It was God's. Anytime that God calls us to things, it's his reputation on the line, not ours. It's, it's his. So if, if you're looking at Mary based on the externals, if we look at her based on those externals, would you have called her blessed? I will tell you that I would have said no. 
Like, she's not getting the close-up parking spot at the Target in Somerville. She's just not. That's from the external. But at the very core of her being, she's carrying God's son. She's been given the test. Mary was literally the first one to carry the gospel. And, and he's calling her blessed. So would we have considered Mary blessed? Here, here's the next question. What was the nature of her blessing? So if she has been blessed, what's the nature of that? And can I tell you, the nature of it was presence. See, the blessing that we oftentimes forget is the blessing that God has given us, his presence. God with us, Emmanuel, with us in our everyday life, walking with us every single day. Now, you may say, I don't, I don't know that God's walking with me every day. Let me tell you, he is, but you've got to have spirit eyes to see. You've got to have spirit eyes to see, and you've got to take the same walk and walk in cadence with that of the Holy Spirit. It, it's his presence. I want you to notice how much that in this passage, she speaks about God in the first person. The things that she says about God. He has looked on me. I was hungry. He fed me. I was lowly. He exalted me. Nothing has changed in her circumstances. Her circumstances are the same. But she speaks of God, of blessing and protection and sovereignty. And she's proclaiming the goodness of God from a pretty dark place. And so she's making these proclamations, and at this point, she's realizing that her, 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 everything that she has within her is going to provide the salvation for what's about to happen for everybody. Because when you look at verse 49, it says, for, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. That's what Mary's saying. When I was 17 years old, I don't know that I, that was something that was on my mind of all the good things that God had done for me. Right? Anybody, was that your mindset at 17? Man, look at all the good things God's done for me. Because my attitude was this. I deserve more than this. Right? My report card should be much better than this. And I should not be required to do any more work than what I have done. I should have an A, even though I turned in 50% of all my homework assignments. At 17, my mind was not, I just, God, thank you so much for this breath. Thank you for this roof that's over my head. Thank you for these friendships that I have. It wasn't there. And I want you to look at this young girl who's saying, look at the great things he's done for me. We could stop right there. And if we would just make that statement every single day before we got out of the bed, it would change our whole lives. Look at the great things that he's done for me. Because so often we get in the, 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 the ditches and the lowly places of life and all we focus on is all the negative of, of what's not going right and we miss the very things that God has done for us. And he's done so much more. And this is Mary's perspective. The externals don't look so good. But the internal of where her heart is, this says a lot about her. That I am willing to walk through the valley because I know who goes with me. Because I look at my God and he has done great things for me. And look, when you realize God has done great things to you, there is a response to that. Her next words is, holy is his name. Because when I realize that everything that I have 
his presence and his blessings and his favor. It's not about, look how much, look how good I am. Look, everybody, look at me. How great am I? How great am I? No, no, no. It's going, hey, look, 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 look how great it is. Holy is his name because I don't deserve any bit of this. It's a perspective. And this is where Mary's perspective is. I know I don't deserve anything. I don't, I don't deserve to be the mother of Jesus. But what I want you to see is holy is his name. Because he has chosen us. He has chosen me to be the, the, the very human that bears and births the Son of God. So she makes the proclamation of He's done great things. Holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. There are three attributes here in this story that, that combine to make the gospel. And I want you to pick up on these real quickly. There, there's this holiness that we keep seeing this word holy. Holy is his name is, is the proclamation, the declaration that she makes. People have, have, have often had misunderstandings of this word holy because holiness it means wholeness or perfection. It's everything as God had created it to be. Everything as it's created to be. A holy earth is an earth that functions in exactly the way that God had created it to be. A holy person is somebody who lives with integrity and with honesty. And this is the word that we use when she says that his name is holy. He's a God of integrity. He's a God of character. And she, she makes this the statement to God is holy, which means God is perfect without any corruption. That's really hard for our minds to comprehend that there, there is no, no imperfections with God because we live in a world of sin because we get used to sin. We see it all the time. We see it in movies. We hear it in people's language. We see abuse. We see violence. We see betrayal. We see hatred. We see dishonesty. We see immorality. We, we, we see all of these things. And so our, our view of what can be holy is often done, but when we look to God, we, we see the, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the, the God who is, who is indeed holy. So you have holiness that shows up in the story. You have mercy. It's merciful, 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 merciful. That's, that's coming back from my PD area language there. Um, mercy means that God looked at us and had compassion. Think about that. He looked at you and had compassion. Remember being on the playground as a kid, fall skin your knee, and that one teacher, that one person, that one parent, that one adult sees you and has some compassion. Oh, it's going to be okay. And you, you ever seen those incompassionate people like, hey, you need to get up, they throw some dirt on it, you'll be fine, go play. Those people. God looked on us and had compassion. Sat with us, cared for us, he had mercy. He couldn't just sit by and watch as we perish. Isaiah says it's something like a mother feels for a newborn baby when God had compassion. That it's, it's God wanting to take the pain of his kid. You've been in those moments where your kid's hurting so bad and you just wish, I could, if I could just take that pain from them, and, and I would wear that pain if they didn't have to suffer. Y'all been there? This is, this is the language that the Bible uses for God, that if I could just take their pain and feel that the way. And can I tell you that, that Jesus took the wrath and the pain onto himself so that we wouldn't have to. So Jesus said in Luke 10 that, that his compassion for his kids 
that there's compassion for his kids. Think about how many times you see it in the New Testament. And Jesus was moved with compassion. If I can just take the hurt and transfer it to me so they don't have to feel this. There's a holiness, there's a mercy, and there's mighty. Because God is mighty in this passage. And he says this, is because, because he's holy, because he's holy, because God is holy, he had to do something about the sin issue. Okay? It's in his holiness. And so because he's holy, he has to do something about our sin. And because he's merciful, he wanted to do something. And because he's mighty, he's able to do something. Now, aren't we glad that we have a God who is able? That he is able. He's not weak. He's not lost. He's not absent. He is in the middle of it. He is present. And he can do exactly what he said he can do. Thank God that we have a God who is holy. We have a God who is merciful. And we have a God who has all the might in the world to do whatever it is that he wants to do. The only thing in the Bible is called, oftentimes mighty, is called like the power of God. The power of God. And God does many things by his power. Everything he did was by his power. But only one thing is itself, it's called the power, is the gospel. The power of the good news of Jesus. It's the power. The greatest blessing is that Jesus is ours. That's where Mary's coming from. You want to know if you're blessed? Is Jesus yours? Do you have his presence? That's the blessing. Because here's the deal. If I have Jesus, everything that I have can go away, and I'm still content. My job, my financial security, my family, my friends, my home, every material possession that I own can go away. And if I can still find contentment in Jesus, I have been blessed. You know why Mary is not freaking out? Because this story written today, Mary would be all over social media, triggered. Oh my gosh, an angel told me. And posting photos and tagging people and freaking out. But I want you to see her response to this. She knows that this is not going to go well for her with the people. But she knows that there's people who are going to talk about her and those rumors that are being said about her having affairs with, with a Roman soldier is the very one that the baby that she's carrying is going to forgive those sins of the things that have been said to her. It's the presence. It's, it's his presence. So his, God's mercy and his presence and his power, everything he does is through his power. Lazarus was healed because of God's power. Right? The woman who was bleeding from 12 years is healed by the power. God is not powerless. He's powerful. And we have that. When we have his presence, we have the blessing. He's the treasure. He's our blessing. And when everything else goes away, we find contentment and true joy in Jesus, our Savior. Listen, there's a reason he says you must take up your cross, because you have to die to yourself every day. I had a video sent to me this week, and it was really good. The good news is that Jesus died for us. That's the good news. The bad news is we got to die to ourselves. we got to get rid of these desires that we have. Because... We can't be full of ourselves and full of Jesus at the same time. One of those has to die. And let me tell you, Jesus did, but he was resurrected. We're going to need to die to ourselves so that he can be the king in our lives. And we can, we can understand and, and have this true, 
is true contentment. So there's a presence, there's a promise, because she tells, reminds us of this promise. God's all, his, the Bible says his promises are always yes and amen. He, he says he helped his servant in Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And it's talking about everything that had happened in the Old Testament with Israel. And he spoke of, of our fathers to Abraham and to his offspring. Like this is all happening in Christ. This is the promise. I am carrying the promise. And I hate it for Joseph because he's missed these first few months. He's missed them. In Christ, God's fulfilling the promise that he gave to Abraham and all of his descendants. The many years before that he was going to bless them and make him a blessing of all nations of the earth. Remember, he, he tells Abraham that I'll give you more children than you can count. And he reminds him of how old he is. And God said, cool, I know how old you are. I can count. I, I made everything. And then this is an offshoot. Jesus is the offshoot. The Savior. Let me, let me jump on this other question. What was, what was the basis of her blessing? What was the basis of her blessing? What you should notice in this song is there's very little about Mary. She's not writing about how young she is. She's not writing about her struggles. She's, she's really focusing. There's a couple of lines in there. But this whole thing is about God. His character, his presence, his promises. There's nothing in this song about her personal worth. You know why? Because Mary didn't need to worry about what her personal worth was. She knew her personal worth. Because she had a relationship with the Father who defined what her worth was. And can I just pause right here and tell you to stop trying to find your dang identity in what the media is telling you you are and in magazines and in everything else and trying to find your worth. If you're seeking everything else but Jesus to find your worth, you will never find your worth and you will never find your identity. You need to go back to the source. Jesus defines who we are by his words. And it is son and daughter. Those are the words he uses for us. Not creation, not human. Son and daughter. So she spends her time in here just really pointing towards God, who God is. Now she sees herself, she knows that she's guilty of sin, she knows that she's unworthy, she knows that she's been empty, she knows that she's been hungry. She knows that she's been weak. She knows that she's been in need of mercy. She says these things in, in this passage. But in verse 46, I love this verse. But she says, my soul. That's, that's every part of us. That's our emotion. She says, my soul, everything that I am, magnifies. Makes God so much bigger. My soul does that. My soul magnifies the Lord. Mary said, I'm not amazing. I'm not amazing. But this one that I'm carrying, oh, he is. He, he's amazing. So her soul magnifies him. question is, does our lives do the same thing? Are, are we magnifying Jesus? Are we making Jesus bigger than, than us? The gospel, the gospel is, that, is that we are unworthy and we deserve death. That's the gospel. But Jesus took our sin, and he would say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Y'all remember that? 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit have nothing. God gives us riches. He says, blessed are those who mourn. We mourn over our sin because of those, because of their, their guilt. They are the ones who get forgiveness because they mourn over it and confess their sin. Blessed are those who know that they're weak. They are the ones who get God's strength. It's at the bottom that God lifts us up. Last question. Are you living as one who is blessed and highly favored? Are you living as one who is blessed and highly favored? If you notice this in Mary's song, those who would naturally think, think of being blessed, you think these people would be blessed in this passage, are not blessed. Listen to what he said. He said he has scattered those who are proud. You think those who, who are very smart and intelligent and, and proud, they, they would be blessed. But the Bible says that those, those guys have been scattered and, and God, he scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought them down from their mighty thrones, all those that we look up to and think are so great. He's, he's pulled them down. And the rich, he sent, away, he sent those away broke. They had to go start the whole Dave Ramsey program. They, they, they were broke. There's nothing wrong with dreams and riches and positions of power. The problem is when you magnify those things bigger than Jesus, they become idols. You want to know when you attack somebody's idols? Say something and see how mad they get. See how mad they get. Jesus tells his disciples, Rejoice not that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that, that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't be so boastful on the things that you can do in the, by, by my power, by the way. You need to be thankful that God has a relationship with you, that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In other words, he says, you know me. Don't rejoice that the church is successful. Rejoice that you know me. Rejoice that you know me. And if you take the former, you can still be happy. If the church goes away and you still have Jesus, guess what? It's, it's a good day. It's a good day. So Mary says, my soul. Joy should function something like a smoke alarm in our lives. If you don't have joy, it's likely that the source of your joy has moved from God to something lesser. A lesser blessing. And, and, and here's Mary in the worst possible circumstance for a 17-year-old girl. And she is rejoicing. It doesn't mean that she's putting everything off and not, and, and, and not paying attention to the hurt. But her focus is, this is bad, God is good. And God's going to use this, and I'm going to be faithful to what it is, no matter what people say. There are going to be those that are going to come around me and support, and there are going to be those that are going to talk about me, and there are going to be those who are going to turn their face from me. I want to close with this verse in Habakkuk. I know you all probably spent a lot of time in the book of Habakkuk. But he says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fell, and the fields yield no fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength, and he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. See, it's, it's a choice. You don't always have to feel like it, but it's a choice that we, we decide to make. You can say in Christ, I can lose all that I have because Christ is all that I need. This is where Mary's at. This is her perspective. It's a different perspective, but it's a good perspective. Because it's even, even years later, it's reminding us that we need to refocus our attention to the Father. Does, does your soul magnify him? 
Are you going through situations right now that are tense and you see the negative? Do you need to switch your focus and look at the Father and get new perspective? Can your soul magnify Him and rejoice where you are? So we're going to sing. And as we do that, I want you to respond in a couple of ways. I want you to spend some time right where you are just asking the Father, help, help my weary soul. You know, David had to command his soul. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless it. Sometimes you're going to have to tell your soul, this is what we're about to do. And you can, you're going to have to get along with the program. You Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's, that's a good hymn back in the day, wasn't it? So maybe for you this morning, you may need to stand where you are and just start proclaiming it. Part of that is, is, is making that proclamation of joy and is singing these songs that we sing. And you may say, well, I'm not a good singer. God's not listening to your voice. He's listening to your heart. Worship is an attitude of the heart. Question is this morning, do you have an attitude? Do you have an attitude? So I want us to stand, ask God those questions. What is he trying to teach you today? And let's worship him for who he is. Father, thank you so much for being a God who is a God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who is with us. I pray in these moments right now, Father, that we would, we would question our souls. Are we rejoicing? Are we magnifying you? in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the things that maybe we're going through that are causing us some pain, especially in these holiday seasons. Are our souls rejoicing in you, our God? Are we content in you? If everything else went away, would we find contentment in you? God, I pray right now that the tension in the room that your spirit will cause will be one so much that it's going to cause us to have to respond to you. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for this moment of being with us in this place. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.